Hey, today on Hike, I take you back to the Adirondacks. We're going to talk with James Appleton. He is the host of the 46 of 46 podcast. He has done all of the high peaks, so he's a 80K 46er. And we chat about life inside the blue line and why you might want to come visit, come experience not only the high peaks, but places like the Northville Placid Trail and whatever season you may go, just to really experience all that the Adirondack Park has to offer. So take a listen to my conversation with James as he takes us to the heart of the Adirondacks. All right, so I'm here with James Appleton. Nice to have you on, James. Thanks for having me, Lori. It's nice to be here with you. So it's nice. Uh, it's nice to have you here tonight. It's uh, it's January. We're in 2021. Kind of new year, new new things going on. So happy. I can. I think I can still say Happy New Year. Yeah, it's still appropriate. It's worse than the first couple weeks still here. Yeah. I actually wrote 2021 for the very first time today. Actually, so uh, yeah, it's still very fresh, very new. Exactly. So. So for my listeners and for me as well, I I guess, tell me a little more about your background yourself. I mean, I know you're in the Adirondacks, so I know that piece, but, but tell me a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. So uh, I am 34 years old. Yeah. I live here in the Adirondack mountains in uh, Lake Placid, New York, which is in, uh, it's like four and a half to five hours North of New York city. And it's probably 90 minutes south of the Canadian border. So we're, we're pretty high up there. I spend a lot of time uh, out on the trails and just doing outdoor stuff here. The Adirondacks, it's just like an outdoors kind of paradise. So it's just kind of part of life, whether you're, you know, you're hiking or you're paddling or camping, hunting, kayaking, all that stuff. It's just like, it's ingrained in the lifestyle here. So uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time outside. Um, That's what I do for fun. I, uh, I have two little girls as well, married with two little girls. I work in the film industry, um, so I do a lot of traveling back and forth to New York City. So I live kind of that lifestyle, um, traveling for work, and then where I live is far, far from work. So uh, I kind of like the balance personally because when I go to work, I'm at work. And then when I go home on the weekends and between jobs, I don't think about work whatsoever, which actually allows me to get outside on the trail and, uh, you know, out to the great outdoors often. So that's, that's kind of like a quick nutshell about who I am and, uh, my lifestyle here. All right. So a couple things Lake Placid, obviously I know of that from the Olympics, you know, so I know that's a, there's still a lot of, of things there, right? Like different, mm-hmm. the ice rink, of course. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hockey Lake, team. Lake Placid had the Olympics in 1932 and 1980, which, you know, if you, it, it's funny. He's like, if, if you live here, you just kind of sometimes feel like they need to let it go a little bit. Let's move on. It was so long ago, but uh, I mean, it's cool. And, and it's, they, yeah, they had the winter Olympics, but it is still a very big winter sports town. Like, you know, they have one of, I think it's one of two bobsled and luge tracks in the country and ski jumps. So like they still do all of those winter sports and Olympic, uh, events in fact we're supposed to be have hosting the world cup bobsled and skeleton right now as we record this but uh due to covid and all that it's over in germany so that was a big uh big unfortunate event um because at the bobsled and luge track for the last like probably two years they've been building uh they built some new facilities and you know bigger buildings and stuff like for that event uh for the world cup uh and uh, yeah, it went away, unfortunately. So kind of a bummer. Well, hopefully there's a, yeah, like a, a rain check of sorts that it can be hosted there in the future, you know? There's always events here at the ski jumps or the luge tracks or um, Whiteface Mountain, which is a big, big popular mountain. And uh, yeah, so the winter sport thing, it's still very much a part of the culture here, even though the Olympics were a million years ago uh, here in Lake Placid. Most people know Lake Placid because of the alligator movie, but that is a uh, that is not this Lake Placid. I can assure you, there are no alligators here in Lake Placid, New York. <laughs> okay, because okay, I must have missed that one, so I will have to look that up later. Starring Bill Pullman. 
Oh, You've never okay. seen the movie Lake Lake Placid. That's so no. funny because literally anytime anyone says Lake Placid, like that, at least in my experience, that's like the first thing that comes out of their mind is, oh, the alligator movie. And I say, ah, yeah, not not really, but sure, that works too. And then second, you know, you said that with your your day job, with your job, you're working in the city. So that's a pretty diverse, different change from Big time. the Adirondacks to the hustle and bustle of like of the city and kind of uh, a lot of people, a lot of um, yeah, they're polar coming opposites. at you, right? You know, like yeah, sure. all the, the sensory overload that can happen. So I'm sure there's, you know, you can find your green space there too as well, but, but yeah, definitely. Not, 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 it's not like what it is. It's like, you know, it's weird. So going to and from, you know, they're just polar opposites, but like on Friday night or slash Saturday morning, whenever I actually get back home for the weekend, if I'm on a job, and I get, you know, you go from New York City and then you just hop in the car four and a half, five hours later, you get out and you're just like in the woods and like the smell of pine trees and spruce trees. I mean, the air is so much cleaner. It is just completely polar opposite, but I love it. Well, I mean, I don't love like the traveling back and forth, but I do really love the like hardcore disconnect between home life and working, you know. I definitely am a work to live person, not a live to work person. So it's, it, that becomes really nice to just, if I'm down there and in the film industry, you know, we work really long hours, grueling, grueling hours, really like you're never working less than 13 or 14 hours a day. So by the end of five days of that, you know, it's the weekend, you're ready to, to relax and it's a nice break to uh, be in the mountains every weekend and home with the family. But when I'm at work, because of the fact that I'm away from my family, it's the hours are just like, I'm here to work. That's literally all I'm here for. So I don't really have an outside life other than going to work. So that kind of almost in some ways makes the traveling not as terrible because it's like, if I was wanting to get home to the wife and kids at night, but I'm working these long hours, it would actually kind of be crappy. But yeah. uh, it's being a bad away. mood. And yeah, uh, exactly. It's like, oh, I yeah. want to get home and see them before they go to bed. But it's like, I'm away. So it's like, you kind of be in that mindset where it's like, all right, you guys going to work us 15 hours today, whatever. This is literally all I'm here for. So in that regard, it's not terrible, I suppose. And I got to say, I've been noticing because, you know, on your Instagram that you've been kind of saying, hey, move to the Adirondacks. Sure. So I got to ask you about that because one, um, you don't want to keep it like your, your backyard secret, you know, mm-hmm. you want to get people there. So, so tell me a little bit about that and what's special about the Adirondacks. Why do you think more people need to live there? Sure. So just a quick background. So, I, you know, the, so the Adirondack park, it's a 6 million acre state park. It's deemed forever wild, uh, from, since 19, 1892. So it's just this outdoors paradise, you know, 6 million acres is bigger than most New England states. You know, it's bigger than every national park in the United States. It's just, it's a gigantic area. So having been a person who actually grew up here as well as a kid in, you know, most people like where they grow up, the whole, the whole mentality is I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go. I got to leave. And, you know, I did that too. I left as well, just like so many people do. And eventually came back uh, due to various reasons. But do once I actually took advantage of the outdoors, everything changed for me, you know, because it's like, when you grow up and you see all these mountains, just everywhere around town, you just you forget you, they don't you don't notice them anymore. They're just like, it's just there it, it loses its appeal. And then you leave and you go other places. And then you come back, and, you're, and then you see the mountains again. And you're like, wow, that's beautiful. They look so amazing there's I never noticed how many mountains there are outside like the windows of my high school holy crap um so once really I started to take advantage of it as the outdoors does to everyone it just really grabs you and you know the outdoors will do the rest it becomes an obsession for most people so because of that I also think most people don't ever really want to see their hometowns you know you want to see where you grew up kind of flourish in a sense uh, so my whole like uh, little online Instagram campaign of hashtag move to the ADK was basically because I see this area has really become, it's become a huge like second home area 
And with second home areas, you know, it drives up the real estate prices and it makes it hard to live. But in my opinion, a flourishing area needs young life. It needs young families moving there and young, young people to like carry on to the next generation, you know, and keep this place moving as opposed to just being a second home kind of a haven. So yeah, that's kind of why that I just like started doing that. It's funny. Once I, I, I put a post on Instagram and just, you know, just curious, like, you know, want to move to the Adirondacks? We need some younger people and younger families here. And it, in, I guess, two years of being on Instagram, it is, it was the most uh, commented and po- and liked post I've ever done by like by hundreds of comments. I, I couldn't even believe it. I just like put it up the post, thought maybe like 10 or 12 people might respond. And I come back and there was like, 85 comments on it and it grew tremendously so there's a lot of people that want to move here but the thing is with the park jobs are jobs are tough to come by as far as you know jobs that can afford to afford the housing here because as i said so you know when like a place becomes like a second home place real estate goes up and not all the jobs don't necessarily reflect that so it's just like i want to see the next generation continue this place so that it, it, it can evolve. And I, I, I'm a big believer in if you're not growing, you're dying. So I feel like while the Adirondack park, you kind of go back in time when you enter the blue line, which is what it's called. Like the out, like the outline of the park, it's just called the blue line. When you enter it, you kind of go back in time a little bit to like, like when you think of, you know, old time settlers and, you know, your rugged pioneers outdoors, people living in the woods like that is this place that's how these towns were founded and that's what it is so it has that kind of old time quality to it but also you need to kind of evolve with the times a little bit but like kind of walk the balance of evolve with the times but not lose what makes this place special but you still need you still need kind of year-round residents and life to accomplish that so that's kind of where that whole uh move to the adk happened and there's all these cool towns all over the park. And if this town was cool and had like this vibe and then this town was cool and had that vibe, this park could just be such an awesome, awesome place again. I mean, it still is, but it could be like a, a year round awesome place, I should say. Yeah. Now you've touched on a couple of things. One is kind of that whole, um, the whole thought of people that go, um, you know, and buy the second home, are they investing in that community when you're not living there full time. And I think that's what you were trying to say is you need to have people who are kind of have a vested interest in seeing it be successful and not just, you know, have like an Airbnb or, you know, those kinds of things. Which is what it kind of has become. It's a big, I mean, because, you know, this, you know, the Adirondacks, it's, it's a six, it's a one day's drive. So it's just a single day drive from 60 million Americans and Canadians. So it's a very accessible place for so many people. So with that in mind, um, because it has such that like old time, totally outdoors, majestic feel to it. It's a popular place. People come here and they want to rent. They, they come here and, you know, Airbnb is big. So people buy the houses and if they're not there, they'll Airbnb them. And you don't even need to be there to run the Airbnb these days. So yeah, that so you know, I just feel like the whole idea of that kind of it's a double-edged sword. It's great. Airbnb is great when it's like you live here full time and you have a you know a basement and you turn it into a rental property. Well, great. Now you're getting some money for yourself, which is going to go back into the community. But when you buy the house and you come up here a few weeks a year and then you rent it the other times, it's just like it's a it's a little bit of a different story when it becomes the double the uh the double house kind of situation at your second home. But you know, I guess that it's 2021. That's not, there's no way the Adirondacks is the only place suffering from that concept, I suppose. You mentioned how it's accessible to so many people. You know, it's interesting. I'm here in Michigan and I never Go went blue. through. Yeah. <laughs> I'm alumni. Um, it didn't actually go through the park until 2019. So okay. you think about, and and that's just because I was cutting through, you know, to take uh, New York and Canada to New York to take uh, my daughter to college in Massachusetts. So, yeah. So it was like, wow, I'm close. Like, this is really cool. Like, I want to check mm-hmm. this out. So, you know, you hear a lot of things about 
what I hear, I guess, about the Adirondacks first was like, oh, well, there's, you know, these peaks and, and people um, want to complete them all. And what's this about? So sure. what's so special about kind of the high peaks area and, and just that, that part of the Adirondacks? And obviously, um, I mean, your podcast is, is really named after that, right? Sure. So 46 yeah, totally. 46. So, so tell me about the high peaks. Sure. So, so the Adirondacks in particular, I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mountains and, you know, thousands of miles of actually maintained trails. And then on, you know, not counting like herd path trails or off trail travel that people do. So there's just so many mountains to climb. And with that in mind, you know, the concept of peak bagging, this is just like, it's that type of that type of uh, outdoors place, I guess, like you come here to hike mountains, that's what you do. And there are the 46 high peaks, which are the 46 mountains above 4,000 feet. And uh, basically you become an Adirondack 46er if you hike all of them, it's like a hiking challenge. And here, because it's such, you know, like peak bagging is such a big kind of part of the culture of the outdoors and hiking here, there's all sorts of hiking challenges. You know, you hike this, these 10 mountains, these nine mountains, these six mountains, whatever, and you get this patch or that patch or in this area, you, you know, there's 12 mountains down here, hike all 12 and you get a patch. And it's just like, it's a fun and the patch and stickers, like a tangible way to like represent, Oh, I, that I did those mountains and now I'm going to do this list of mountains and that list. So there's just so many. So like the idea of peak bagging, it's just very, very much part of the culture, but the high peaks are like, they're the they're the main attraction they're the uh the varsity of of all and it's the mountains those mountains man they are they are rugged they are they do not care about you and they are they are going to teach anybody who hikes them so much about life and they're just life-changing and they were for me as well um yeah and i have a podcast called the 46 of 46 podcast which was originally going to be just my my journey hiking all 46 high peaks. So basically what I did was I turned, so I did all 46 in one summer, which would most would consider very fast. Uh, usually they take a few years to a lifetime to some people have done them in a week, you know, just uh, through hiking them. But basically my show is me going through, and I, I recorded the whole podcast after I had completed. I didn't even have the idea of doing it while I was hiking basically I retold the story. So, you know, I, I completed it in either 16 or 17 hikes. I don't remember now, but, uh, I turned each day into an episode. So I kind of retold and like narrated the day. So it's like, I hiked these three mountains on day one. And I just told the story here when I got to the trailhead, I did this. And then I took this trail and I met these people going up. And then I just basically told my story. And the point of the podcast was because as I mentioned, so many people come here to hike. I was like, if I put out this story, this, you know, this podcast and it's, you know, my whole journey start to finish every weekend, there's just thousands and thousands of people driving up to the park to go hiking and hike on these mountains. I was like, maybe they'll listen to my stories on these mountains when they're in their car. It's like, they're going to come up and hike Marcy skylight and gray. So great. They'll listen to the Marcy skylight and gray episode. So that's why I did. And that's how the podcast started. It's, it's a different type of a outdoors podcast. I have a lot of different formats of episodes now, but it originally began as just kind of like a trip report style where I want you to feel like you're right there on the trail with me. And, you know, I incorporate sounds and audio and sound effects and music and all that jazz. Um, but uh, once I put out that season, I should say season one, um, I just put them all out at once to tell like the 46er journey, start to finish a complete story. And people wanted more episodes. I had no intention of doing anything more. It was just supposed to be like a one season Netflix style. Hey, I did this all. Here's every single episode, binge it, have fun. Thanks for listening. And uh, because people kept messaging me to do more episodes, I have and the podcast has uh, continued and evolved in, uh, in a major way. So that's pretty much like, the story of the high peaks and why peak bagging is such like a popular thing here. And you hike all 46 high peaks, you become an Adirondack 46er. And there's a whole organization that, you know, kind of runs that challenge in a sense. And it's like an actual organization. Um, 
I think the website's Adirondack46ers.org, maybe ADK46.org, something like that. But yeah, they do such great work. They, they, you know, they advocate for the the park uh, at the state level. They have uh, volunteer trail work done, trail steward work, all sorts of stuff. So they're doing an amazing job uh, giving back to the park. And you, I mean, there's books on the people who created, you know, the 46 high peaks and kind of how it or created like the idea of the 46 high peaks, I should say. So there's, there's a whole history behind it, but it's a, it's the main attraction up here. 100%. So you said you did it in the summertime um, over the course of what, 16, 17 hikes. Yep. How were you journaling? Uh, were you writing things down? Were you doing some audio for yourself? Things like that to reach actually. Yeah, what I did was I had so I mean because it's like like you know the main attraction of the the Adirondacks. Um, there's like little booklets you can buy that you know you can journal your your hike and like check off the mountains that what that you've done. And I had you know I picked up one of those just for fun. And yeah, at the end of at the end of each hike, I wrote I wanted to fill out that book you know like pen and paper. I wanted to fill out that book start to finish. So I made it really important that at the end of each day, I you know, I do my due diligence to like write down, you know, what I did, what I saw. And there were no rules in my brain to what I write down. Just like, remember the hike. I just wanted to remember the hikes um, because it's, you know, you're doing them all so quickly. It's easy for things to blend together and, you know, kind of forget, but I wanted to remember it. So I made it a point to write it down. And as far as the journal goes, I mean, it was like, you know, one to two paragraphs per day hike, which could have been one mountain to five mountains, you know, depending on what the day was. Um, so yeah, I wrote down those kind of like information for myself because I wanted to be able to come back in like a year and read the book and like relive my journey hiking all 46 high peaks. And now I have a whole podcast I can listen to, to relive uh, my journey, which is fun, but it's funny too, because when I was writing those episodes and some of those episodes I was writing six months later, but it's really weird how like when you put yourself back and the journal helped kind of spark a few things, but when you put yourself back mentally in that mindset of like, okay, when did I do, you know, Mount Colden? Oh, that's right. I did Mount Colden and Mount Marshall together. Oh, that's right. I, I started at this time. Oh, that's right. I took this trail and then I met this person there. It's like, it's crazy how many memories come back to your brain when you put yourself like back at the trailhead that was six months ago, but like start to finish, you just go through it, you go through it and just your brain really will uh, recall so many memories, which was, was really fun. And uh, it was really fun to, to relive that. But if you're interested in that, yeah, you could check out this first season of the 46 of 46 podcast and hopefully learn a whole bunch about the, uh, the ADK high peaks. They're an amazing place. And you mentioned as you were kind of doing the intro to talking about the high peaks that these mountains will teach you some lessons um, and they should, you know, basically be respected. Now, what lessons did they teach you? So for me, I'm, you know, I had the goal of completing them in one summer, in one push, mainly because so like I did one movie from like the end of May to the end of June. I had all of July off. And then I started another three month movie in, in early August, early August. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have like a full month home. So now is the time, you know, you, you, you wanted to do this and, you know, becoming an Adirondack 46 or it's also engraved in the culture here in Lake Placid. So when you grow up around it, it's a, you know, it's a prestigious thing and it's something that you always want to be a part of, but you, you know, I never dreamed I actually would, but the big thing that I would say the biggest takeaway that for me has like completely changed how I approach everything is take everything so small piece by piece. And when I say that, I mean, like, if you think, okay, I've never hiked any of these mountains and I'm supposed to hike 46 of them. That's a lot. Yes, it's a lot, but if you break it down, you make a plan. Well, suddenly it's like, okay, well now, from talking to, you know, different people about like how to pair certain mountains together. Suddenly 46 mountains is 17 hikes. Okay. 17. That seems a lot less than 46. Okay, cool. And, but then you think, okay, well, 17 hikes, that's still a lot of days out on the, out on the mountains. But then you, 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 you break it down even more. You say, okay, my first hike, you know, these two mountains, Cascade and Porter. Okay. Get out on the trail, hike Cascade and Porter get those two 
and then go on to the next one. And just, it, it really helped me to break things down instead of looking at like the big picture goal. It really taught me from that journey to break things down and to go piece by piece for everything that I'm doing. And, and, and at that point, it's like you set a goal and you build a plan to accomplish the goal. That's the big thing. It's like, it's nice to have goals, but if you don't have a plan to get you there, well, then you, your goal is more of like an idea than an actual goal. And I definitely know that for me, that was the biggest takeaway. And uh, I'm proud of myself for doing it. It's still one of my biggest like accomplishments that I'm stoked on. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a way that I know those mountains taught me that. And uh, another thing, weather can change on the drop of a dime when you're out there. So that's another, uh, another thing I learned really quickly about hiking in the high peaks in particular. So what kind of things do you need to, you know, for a person who wants to even, you know, hike in the high peaks, not necessarily that they want to do the whole 46, but Mm -hmm. you know, you were talking about the weather changes that the elevation is deceiving by saying, you know, it's only, you know, you know, in the 4,000 range. So Mm -hmm. what does someone need to do to prepare or what, what kind of hiker, what kind of hiker do you need to be? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people might hear like, oh, those mountains are 4,000 feet. Those are puny. Well, some of them have, you know, 3,500 feet of gain. Uh, to get to the summit of those mountains. So, you know, elevation gain is kind of everything. And in the Adirondacks in particular, these trails aren't, they weren't built well. They were built so long ago and they were more for, you know, for surveying, you know, back in like the late 1800s, early 1900s surveying, and they needed quick, quick trails up to a summit. So what's the quickest way to get to the top? Freaking straight up. So that's how they cut most of these trails. Uh, you know, the idea of a switchback, like good luck finding a switchback here in the Adirondacks. You got to be in really good shape, but don't worry. The mountains will get you in shape real quick. But actually the good thing about the Adirondacks too, is like, even if you're not ready for the high peaks in particular, I mean, there's just hundreds of other smaller mountains that you can, you can do to get ready. I'm a big advocate of start small and slowly work your way up. So like, do this small little mountain that's only half a mile of, of hiking. How'd you do? Great. Now do a little bit bigger one. And as you go, you'll get more and more comfortable out on the trail, what to expect, what it's like hiking, you know, and you'll get more comfortable with the map and looking at the different maps that exist and knowing like trail junctions and what to look for and, you know, that whole thing. So as far as like what to be, what to do to be prepared to hike, uh, definitely get yourself a map for starters. But uh, I mean, Again, like what I said with the high peaks, you just kind of have to go. You just decide, I'm going to do this mountain. I'm going to do the homework necessary to go up it. And that's it. Go to the trailhead. Where's the trailhead? Here's where it is. Okay, here's the trail. Break it down piece by piece, small, small, small. And before you know it, you're at the summit looking at hundreds of mountains and looking into Canada and looking into Vermont. And it's just fascinating. And, you know, you, I was thinking about this because you were talking about the weather and then I was thinking, well, um, you know, winter time, you must get uh, a good dump of snow around. So, and you said the trails are pretty kind of steep in, in some way. So are people like also like doing snowshoeing or, or skiing, you know, what kinds of things can you do to experience it during the winter as well? Sure. Uh, I'm out there all the time in the winter. In fact, I kind of, pref- I don't prefer it so much because obviously in the summer it's, you know, it's nice to just be out in a t-shirt and shorts and whatnot but winter requires so much more planning and there's obviously a million more ways you can die in the winter than it is in the summertime but uh yeah the those mountains covered and covered in dr seuss fluffy snow and just like when you're at the summits you just feel like you are in a completely different planet people are still out there not obvious obviously not as many people but everyone's still out there hiking and yeah you definitely need snowshoes you're not always going to need them if the trails are already broken out and packed down, but yeah, you'll definitely need snowshoes, but also, you know, cross country skiing, not necessarily cross country skiing the the mountains, but that's a huge, huge activity here. There's, you know, not every trail here is up a mountain. There's so many flat trails through the woods, you know, cross country skiing is very popular. Uh, Snowshoeing, downhill skiing. There's a number of actual ski resort and mountains here for that. But those are like the ways to, uh, 
utilize this beautiful outdoors place in the winter time. Also too, because winter here is it's, it's so long and it's so brutal. If you don't have a winter activity and a winter sport, it will eat you alive. So you need to do something that makes the winter suddenly like, Oh, it's not so bad. I'm going to get to do this now. And for me, I love winter hiking. There's so much more involved in like, you know, having more such heavier backpacks and more gear in your backpack in case something goes wrong. You always kind of need to have everything in your pack so you can stay the night out there if you need to, which requires so much more gear and layers and extras and all that jazz. But uh, yeah, once you're on top of a mountain, especially here, it's like you get out there and it's like, you know, no one could, no one would hear you scream. You're by yourself. You're just so in the middle of nowhere, no man's land. So you kind of have this feeling, especially in the winter, more so in the winter than the summer. It's just like, you feel like you shouldn't be here. We Humans should not be on top of this, these mountains right now, but you are. And that's just like a really cool and addicting feeling, I should say. Also, ice climbing is very popular as well. I don't ice climb though. That's, that, that's an activity that's not for me. Rock climbing in general is, but uh, is not an activity for me. So, you know, we talk about, you know, doing the peak bagging, but are there some longer trails as well? Like I know I've heard of the Northville Placid Trail and uh, that's something that I think is it 140-ish miles or tell me more yeah. about, about that trail. Sure. So yeah, so the Northville Placid Trail is 138 miles and that's your, that's your pure backpacking trail here in the Adirondacks. Uh, I did that hike back in the spring and I did a whole season on the podcast doing the same thing I did with the 46 high peaks where every day was its own episode. And I just kind of narrate and retell the story of that day where I went, you know, over this bridge, over to this river, over this lake, but it's definitely like the backpacking trail here because peak bagging is so, is so big. It's kind of nice to have an actual pure backpacking trail. So it goes, it runs from the town of Northville, which is in the Southern Adirondacks um, up to Lake Placid which is kind of like the Adirondack Park. If you think it's kind of like a circle with a chimney coming out the top and uh, the Adirondacks is literally like where like the heart would be. And they call it the heart of the Adirondacks because it's geographically where a heart would be. And uh, it's also the heart of the park. I'll say that people may argue it, but I, I would disagree with them. Lake Placid is the heart of the park, but yeah. So the Northville Placid trail just goes from the Southern tip, not the tip, but like down South kind of up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's super remote. You're definitely in those, that trail like will take you in the most remote parts of this place where you're 20 miles in each direction from a road. So, you know, if something goes wrong, you, you're on your own, you know, you got to figure it out. So it's uh yeah, it's, but it's fun though. I mean, there's, I mean, I think there's like, I don't remember the count, but I think there's a lean to like every three miles or something like that. So that's fun. That's uh, what is yeah, it, you lean, know, are there shelters? To, yeah. There's lean-tos and different campsites, like tent sites that you could do. And, you know, you could cowboy camp if you want as well, uh, assuming you uh, you know the rules of doing that and whatnot. But yeah, there's there's so many lean-tos. So it's really, it's a cool trip because your trip can can change if it needs to, which anyone who's been backpacking knows that your your trip likely, your itinerary will likely change once you get on the trail for one reason or another. But yeah, it's really fun. It's cool when you like pass other hikers too, because it's like, oh, where'd you stay last night? Oh, I stayed here and I'm going here today. Oh, very cool. It's like, it's a totally different kind of conversation than when you pass other hikers hiking a mountain, because you tend to know, well, we're on the same mountain. I kind of know where you're going or where else are you hiking today? Or, although I guess there's plenty of trails where it's, you, you don't know where the person's hiking, but yeah, what I like about the Northville Plastic Trail is it, it, it presents a totally different type of conversation with each other that you don't typically get in the Adirondacks, which makes it a very special, uh, special trail. Do you recommend um, starting Lake Placid or finishing there? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would personally recommend starting in Lake Placid and finishing in Northville. So you'd, you'd hike southbound um, in that case. And I'll t because the last well, the whole, the whole like kind of like last like 10 miles of the trip is downhill, which is nice. Um, but also too, like once you get to Northville, you come out of the woods, you still have three miles just on the road, uh, which is still downhill. 
and then you get to this place called Waterfront Park, which is like the actual end of the trail. And there's like a big, there's a big uh, archway that they carved out of logs and woods. And it's like, it's like a cool finish, you know, it's like, that's the finish. Where Take is your it? Picture you, there. It's a nice. Yes, yeah. exactly. Whereas if you if you finish in Lake Placid, you literally just like walk out of the woods and pop out. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. Okay, you're done. Okay, I'm time to go home. Yeah, it's just not as epic of a finish. Uh, and again, it's a much easier start because you're going downhill. Whereas like if you start in Northville and you hike northbound, which many people do, I, I'm sure probably more people hike northbound because they want that starting picture like at the at the waterfront park. Whereas I think it's better at the end, but it's funny because when I was coming out, so I hiked that, that southbound. And when I was coming out of the trail, like I'm passing so many people who are starting the Northville Plastic Trail and they have their like big, you know, it's day one for them. So they have their big, super packed backpacks and it's, you know, the first 10 miles is just uphill. Uh, so <laughs> everyone's just like, huffing and puffing and i'm like yeah I'm, I'm going down i'm cruising down because i'm i'm done for starters but you guys are just getting going but yeah it's it's kind of like a kick in the pants to really like get you going so i have a feeling that people who hike hike it northbound often probably get a few miles in and go what did i sign up for this is brutal yeah because you know what i've heard and read from you know just kind of kicking around looking at people's posts is that, uh, it's something that people may think is easier than it really is. And like you're saying, if they're starting out and they're going uphill, uh, they may just end up saying this is mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. I would love to know like the, you know, the, I don't even know if there's a way to know, but I would love to know like the percentage of hikers who quit at like the first road crossing, which is there, you, once you go in the woods, I think the first road crossing is this place called White House Road. And I think it's like, I think it's probably like uh, six or seven miles from when you enter the woods. So it's like, it's still in like the first day. A lot of people camp there the first night, but I would love to know the statistic of people who quit because yeah, you, you don't, that's like the big like kick in the pants, right? When you start, cause it just right off the bat, it's actually one of the more challenging sections if you're going up as far as elevation gain goes but it would be it would be interesting because you know like in the on the the Appalachian Trail I don't remember what the place is called but it's it's 30 miles it's some gap it's in Georgia of course but uh something gap but it's like 30 miles in and and has it the gap? I don't know if it's like, I don't remember but, yeah. the name that doesn't sound it but it might be yeah. but it's it's 30 miles in and I think it's like 30 percent of of hikers quit at that that place so it would be interesting to know like how many northville plastic trail hikers quit at um i think it's it's not white house road i think i said white house road that's not what it is uh, i can't remember off the top of my head but uh yeah it's yeah. A, it's a great trail it's very rugged the thing is that a lot of people don't don't um or i guess like the 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 negative things that people to say about it is you don't you don't hike on you're not on top of mountains which is like what this park is known for um this is like you're skirting between the mountains you're kind of going between but you just go from lake to river to lake to river and to the lean-tos and you know the lakes that you're going to i mean you're talking like these are these are the back country lakes like there's no boats coming to these lakes these are just like this is like nature at its at its finest and then you know all the lean-tos are on not all of them but most of them are on like a nice lake or a nice river so it's it's a really fun experience it's only 138 miles so people tend to do it in like um probably probably like seven to 14 days is probably like what the majority of people hike it in you know some maybe cruise it a little faster and some might take longer but I doubt many take longer than 14 days. It's a, it's a type of trail where if you're on it for 14 days, that's a long time out there considering there's only like two real places that you can, uh, you can, you know, resupply, but, um, yeah, you're going to go into some super remote areas and, uh, yeah, you're going to be on your own for a lot of those places. So, so are you then carrying, um, food for most of the time or for the whole trip or mm -hmm. some people I know plenty of people who've who carried completely and then other people who will do one mail drop at yeah at uh one of the one of the two spots uh, I think Long Lake and Pasico are the two towns where people will do a drop but uh 
again, it requires a lot of coordination and whatnot because, you know, this is this, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Adirondacks, the Adirondacks, you go back in time here. So, and everything's not like open and accessible. You're definitely not going through like suburban There's towns. No that's 24 sure. hour store open. No, do no, 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 <laughs> nothing like that. So like, if you miss the post office, well, you might have to wait. You're gonna have to either wait till tomorrow or just skip it. Yeah. It's, it's a fun trail. I really like it. And it, it's a, it's a totally different experience. And it's funny too, because you'd think like, hiking here is just like it's just a thing but you get totally different crowds that are like i'm a northville placid type or i'm a high peaks hiker it's just like it's all hiking still but like you get really different type of crowds and you know the backpacking versus the quote peak bagging world i suppose yeah so there must be uh some happy middle somewhere right <laughs> you could yeah you know i mean i feel like you just do both i mean i like to do both and uh they present totally different types of experiences out in the woods. You know, it's like, it's fun just going from lean to to lean to. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think the trails 11,000 feet of gain over 138 miles. So it's really not that much elevation gain. So it's really, you know, it's a totally different experience where you're not, you're not huffing and puffing nearly as much as like when you're hiking up the high peaks, straight up the high peaks. Um, so, you know, it's like, it, it gives, it's got its pros and cons, I suppose the cons being maybe the, you're not getting these cool mountain views, but like the pros are, you're not huffing and puffing nearly as much either. Most of the time. And you're like swimming in swimming in, especially if you go in the summer, I mean, every night you're swimming in a lake or you're swimming in a river. And that's, that's a great way to end every single night. So you're, you're talking about, you know, doing a lot of the summer hikes and, and exploring the mountains, but, um, what would you say like by season is kind of your favorite part of the Adirondacks? Because you know, I, I hear fall is pretty beautiful there. Oh, fall is unbeatable. I mean, the foliage is, it's unbeatable. I'd put it up against any place on planet earth. Um, but I personally am a summer guy. I like the summer. I like just the, you know, like the summer vibes, people out on their boats on the lake and uh, you know, that like summer life, uh, mainly because, you know, as I mentioned, winter is so long here. So when you, you're finally in that summer, summer mode, it's, it's really exciting, but definitely winter is the most popular. Although I guess, I mean, summer is definitely the most popular time as far as people visiting here, but I think that's probably the same everywhere, but winter, as far as like what most locals would say, it's definitely like a winter area, the winter sports skiing and, and all that definitely kind of reigns supreme. But for me, I like I like the warm summer days out on the trail or just in the woods in general in shorts and a t-shirt. That's definitely my favorite. But as far as like visually goes, fall is it is unbeatable. Unbeatable. So where is your kind of favorite place? What's what's the heart of the Adirondacks for you from a from a mountain perspective or trail? Hmm. Well. As far, like, is when you, when you say the heart, you mean like, what would be my favorite mountain yes. to hike or, okay. Yeah. Like where, um, what calls you? I mean, you know, you've done these, you know, mm -hmm. you know, the mountains, you know, the trails you've grown up there. So it's, mm -hmm. it's very second nature to you, but is there a place that kind of calls you back or, you know, over and over? Sure. Um, yeah. So I would say, I would say that the heart of this park would be the trailhead at the Adirondack Lodge because it's like, it's kind of like the, where this is, you know, this is a state park. It's, and people live here. So it's not like, it would kind of be like similar in vibe to like kind of entering a national park, you know, where you go through the gate and whatnot. But the Adirondack Lodge is like a trailhead where there's so many mountains that you act that you start you start at the lodge and then you go off and do you know do so many different mounts so like you kind of just spider off to wherever you're going that place i would say is kind of like the main heart of the park in in terms of hiking the mountains but for me i actually find these two little mountains called mount joe and mount van hovenberg to be my favorite places here because they're short and like, yeah, I mean, I hike in the high peaks all the time and, you know, we'll do the 12, 15, 18 hour days, but 
honestly, for me, I, I, I love like a 20 minute hike that just gets you just in the thick of it. And I go up these mountains, con- like these two mountains, I mentioned Mount Joe and Mount Van Hovenberg constantly because my favorite view in the entire park is on Mount Van Hovenberg because you get all the high peaks in the background and then you get this place called South Meadows, um, which is all hardwood trees. So in the fall, it's, it's just unbelievable, but you get like the South Meadows, like out in front of you and then boom, the high peaks, like just towering above it. But, and then you got Mount Joe, which is near it. And that is, you know, it's, it's 20 minutes to the summit and you are just, you might as well be on a high peak. So it's, I like that. Just like you need, you have an hour. Okay, great. I'm going to go hike Mount Joe real quick because it's like, I can get in the woods. I can get some fresh air. I get the heart beating, you know, break a sweat and just like get in the mountains. And I like that element the most, you know, it's, it's near, near my house. It's in Lake Placid. Um, that would probably be my, like, like if I was, if I died today and had to scatter my ashes somewhere, I'm going to say, go to the summit of Mount Joe. That's where I want to, uh, I'd like to haunt those woods for the, <laughs> the remainder of time. Because like, you know, you spend so much time, you know, hiking is hard on the body, man. It's hard. It's you're, you're, you know, you're, it's a hobby, you know, let's, 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 let's call it what it is. It's just like a, it's a very strange hobby. I like to say, cause it's like, you'll find yourself it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm in the middle of the winter, it's zero degrees and I'm hiking up a mountain right now. What a strange hobby this is, you know, no one's making us be out here, but we're out here because we want to. So I actually like those small hikes like Mount Joe, because it's like, it doesn't destroy, it doesn't destroy your body at all. It's just like, it's just like the right amount of just, it hits everything really quickly and really easily as opposed to like the long, long days out there. So that's why like those little mountains, they hold their, uh, they hold a dear, dear place in my heart. So what are you kind of looking forward to from a, a hiking and adventure perspective for 2021? 2021, I was pretty much just planning to continue my uh, quest to become a winter 46er. I've not hiked all of them in the winter yet. So I'm just kind of plugging away at that list and get, getting back to getting back to all these mountains in, in the wintertime. Um, I have no, there's like a, you know, it's like a, it's not an official thing, but it's like a thing to become a single season winter 46er. And having already done like the whole, all of them in one season, I know what that like stress is like, where you feel like you have to get back out there because you got to finish in the season. It's like, oh, my body's destroyed from being out there two days ago for 15 hours, but I have to go out today. So it's like, I don't want that, that, you know, that stress. So the winter 46, I'm just kind of cruising and doing it at whatever pace with no agenda whatsoever. But yeah, I'm kind of working towards that this winter. And uh, I just, it's just, it's really fun being out there in the winter. If you've never been out on trails and on mountains in the winter time, it's a whole different animal. It's a whole different experience. And uh, man, it's just, it's just terrific. As I mentioned earlier, being out there with like the fluffy snow everywhere. And it's just like a totally different view aesthetically and the experience, you know, like putting on your snowshoes and taking off layers and putting on layers. It's like, you kind of feel like you earned it a lot more in the winter time, because it's just so, as I mentioned, like we should not be up there. We have no, we have no, you know, place being up there, but it's like, we made it, we got there, we accomplished the goal. And I'm a, I'm as a goal oriented person that, uh, that, that kind of, uh, speaks to me, but as far as like being out hiking, yeah, that was the Northville Placid trail was like my, was my kind of like goal and hope for 2020. So I got to do that. So that was, stoked on that and uh for 2021 yeah it's, i'm currently just working towards that i'll finish my second round of the high peaks shortly but uh yeah i'm working on finishing the working on you know doing some more in the winter and and as i mentioned too that there's just so many other mountains that you can hike to in the winter time so the uh the options are really endless big or small yeah you you did mention there it's a whole different vibe to hike in the winter time and especially on a mountain um and the, I think for me, what I noticed the most is just the sound is different with the snow. There's just uh, this very, I guess, peaceful kind of uh, flow. Yeah, it's a lot it. quieter because, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, th- so there's a, I remember being out there last winter on this mountain called Big Slide Mountain. 
<clears throat> excuse me, big slide mountain. And I, there's, once you get up, you know, you, your final like approach to the summit and maybe it's like half a mile, you're walking through, um, walking through all these spruce trees and it's like a tunnel, but in the winter when it's, they're covered in snow, it's like you're walking through a sound booth for like half a mile. Like, like you just walk through and it's just like, the sound is just dead. It's like, you're like hearing the sound of silence, <laughs> not to be cliche, but you are. And the snow just dampens that sound. And yeah, it is. That's, I've never heard anyone mention that, but you know, you're a podcaster, you're an audio person clearly. So that, uh, and as a professional audio person myself, that's what I do for work. Yeah. I notice it tremendously. I'm always just like listening to, and notice the, the sound in winter, it's a lot quieter, it's peaceful, it's dead. And then when you get that, that nice light snowfall and you're up there with the light breeze and like little powder coming down, little snowflakes, ah, it's hard to beat. It's really nice. It's really pleasant. Yeah. And then the wind kind of rustling through. So then you get mm -hmm. the, yeah, the snow swirling around. Yeah. It's yeah. Own, it's really nice. Your own snow globe. It's yeah. Perfect. Pretty much. It, 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 a, a snow globe is exactly what it feels yeah. like on top of on top of the mountains in the winter. Well, you definitely kind of talking about the whole winter experience. Uh, it, it makes me want to get out there and get into the mountains for sure. So how can people get a hold of you, follow you, listen to the show? Sure. Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook at four, six of four, six podcast on those, or you could go to the website, 46 of 46.com four, six of four, six.com. And yeah, that's, uh, that's where, that's my home base for anything with the podcast. And, uh, the show is always evolving. I'm always creating new types of content. Um, as far as like the formats of episodes, I also have episodes like, like what we're doing right now, conversations and interview that sort of style. Um, as well as the trip report episodes. And then I also have Adirondack campfire story episodes that I basically like write these campfire stories and, you know, I add sounds and sound effects and music and it's basically just kind of have a lot of fun with that. And those have actually kind of taken off way more than I ever thought they would. I guess a lot of people like campfire stories as much as I do. And uh, so those are fun, but yeah, th that's uh, that's where you can find the podcast. It's on all the all the usual suspects, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that jazz. Well, I will put links uh, in the show notes, of course. And thank you again for your time tonight and, you know, sharing more about the Adirondacks. And really, uh, I think probably some of the listeners will want to, to move inside the blue line. Oh, I would love to have them come here full time, year round. You need a job. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. But yeah, thank you very much for having me, Lori. I appreciate it. It's been an honor to be on your podcast. Thanks again for listening today. And I just want to say, you know, I really appreciate when you're reaching out to me, when you're giving me feedback and offering ideas of what you'd like to see next on Hike. And if you haven't left me a five-star rating or review, just please go ahead and do it. It really helps get the show noticed and to get more listeners, which then allows me to bring you more content. Don't forget to check the show notes where you can connect with James and of course, connect with me. So until next time, see you on the trail.